Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. It's Jacob. I am one of the pastors here on staff. We are wrapping up this series, Famous Last Words. Next week is Easter, which means we are going to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. This week, what we are going to focus on is these famous last words that Jesus spoke in a conversation he had on the cross. And I just want to ask as we move into looking at this scripture, have you ever ended up somewhere where you just found yourself asking, like, how did I get here? Like, how did I end up here? Whether that was a a wrong turn, maybe a wrong relationship, but you find yourself asking this question. I I experienced this with a friend of mine on staff, Randy Spear. Randy Spear is one of our, uh, not one of our, he's the only film producer we have. Uh, And Randy and I have been working together for about nine years. And uh, in December, I asked Randy to go down to Middleton to get some drone footage uh, for footage that we were going to show at our Christmas service. And so Middleton doesn't really exist at that time, it didn't exist then. There were no roads fully paved. And if you don't know what Middleton is, it is the home site to a new campus that we are opening in 2024. And uh, so I sent him down there. And since there was no address, I just texted him coordinates. And it was basically like saying, hey, good luck. Um, has anyone ever tried to use coordinates to get somewhere? Randy responded and said, I feel like a Boy Scout now, like trying to find this. So Randy went, got some footage, and on his way, and, and when he returned to the church, I just asked him, I said, hey, how did it go? And Randy said it was good until the cops came. And I thought, again? No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't again. It was the first time that we had the cops come. But I asked him, I said, what, what happened? He said that when he was coming back to his car, there were multiple cop cars around his car and they asked him uh, very seriously, what is your name? Why are you here? And do you know what, where you are? I think that last question was the most important. Uh, and Randy said, no, I don't know where I am. And they asked him to turn around and on a 15 foot fence, 10 feet behind him said, Coleman Federal Prison Property. <laughs> Randy had driven his car next to the fence to fly a drone. If you've ever watched any crime TV show, that's how drugs get smuggled into prisons, okay? So Randy ended up, Randy did want me to tell you though, he got killer footage. So was it worth it? Yes, but that answer to the question of like, how did we get here is intense. And for Randy, the answer is pretty easy. It was my fault. I asked him to go. Through our lives, we end up in these places or in these relationships and these situations asking ourselves, how did we get here and how do we move past it? Where do we go from here? And I could go out on the street right now and just pull 10 people. And at least nine out of 10 people would agree that the world is broken. 
I would even argue that not is one time more broken than the previous time, but the world is not only broken, it is breaking. I mean, this is why we see every day, it's something else. And I find myself asking, has the whole world gone crazy? I mean, every day it's a different headline, it's a different tragedy, it's another senseless killing. How did we get here? And we can all agree, whether you are a Christ follower or not, whether you're a Christian or not, we can agree that we all have a problem. And this is the basis of what we are talking about because the crucifixion story is full of people with problems, trying to sort out how they got there and where do they go from here. I mean, we all have a problem. That it's a no-brainer. Jesus guarantees that we will have problems. He says, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart. We will have troubles. And in the crucifixion story, as we prepare for the resurrection and the celebration of Easter next week, I want us to understand that the cross is this event that shaped our eternity and our current reality. It was this pivotal moment in scripture and what happened to even get to that conversation on a cross. Jesus was arrested in the garden of Gethsemane. And while Jesus was in holding, all of the Jewish rulers, all of the Jewish people that wanted what they thought was justice showed up at a guy's house. While it was still dark out, the guy's name was Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea and they show up at his residence and start pounding on the door. First thing in the morning, while the sun just comes out to demand that something be done with this prisoner in holding. Now the problem that Pilate has to sort through is the more he asks Jesus questions in the trial, the more he realizes that Jesus is innocent. And so as he's navigating this, he finds the solution to his problem is simply this, is to let the crowd make the choice. Let the thousands of people that are demanding Jesus be put to death, make a choice between two people, between Jesus or Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a guy scheduled to be executed that day along with two other criminals. Barabbas, I want you to think of the worst person you know. Don't say it out loud. Hopefully they're not next to you. No shoulders, no elbows. Think of the worst person you know. Barabbas is like that person with way less morals. Barabbas was a murderer. He was a scripture say an insurrectionist, a rebel that he killed people. He took advantage of the weak. He stole from the poor and the rich to only give to himself. And so Pilate says, make a choice. You can either choose Jesus and free Jesus or free Barabbas, a known killer. And the crowd makes a choice and they chant this chant and scriptures, some of the translations and some of the gospels say it's crucify him. The translation is actually one Greek word, stauro, and I only know that because I Googled it, but stauro is this, this word that they chant like it's a March Madness game. And instead of chanting defense, they are yelling, crucify, crucify, crucify. The depravity of 
all humankind in this situation, which is what leads up to Jesus being on a cross with two criminals. And in Luke's account of the cross is where we are going to stay today in our text. And I wanna read this in its entirety together. Luke 23, 39 says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this is where we get this conversation that has eternal implications that Jesus responds with. He replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Will you bow your heads as we pray together? Dear God, I just ask as we look at the story of the crucifixion and the cross, God, that we are reminded of how important, powerful, and how that shaped not only our eternity, but our reality today. God, I pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds to celebrate the resurrection with Easter next week and prepare us to be changed and reminded and grateful today. And it is in your son's name, the mighty name of Jesus, amen. The account of the crucifixion is full of people with problems and have, I mean, you, you get to a point when you're trying to wrestle through problems that you end up asking like, how did we get here? You get frustrated. Have you ever just wanted to throw in the towel? Like wanted to say like, I, I am done. I'm, I'm done, I'm frustrated, I've hit, I'm at my wits end. Whatever that may be, like if you have kids, you coach your kids on this. Like you don't want your kids to quit, you don't want them to give up, you, you want to pour into them. And I saw this with one of my kids uh, this past week. Uh, I won't name which one it was, but he was very, very angry with me because I made him clean his room. And this is, a, if you're a parent, you know, this is a, a daily struggle. And, and I heard him as he was huffing and puffing and, and cleaning his room. And he said something as I was walking out. And he said, uh, uh, man, I wish we had one of those dogs that gets you water. And have you ever heard something and you're like, I'm sorry, was that English? What, are you, what did you say? So I asked him, I said, what did you say? He said, dad, I wish we had one of those dogs that gets you a glass of water. I said, I'm about to take you to the hospital because I'm not sure what's happening right now. And he said, dad, don't you know one of those servant dogs? He meant service dogs. And what I had to explain to him is that a service dog, even if we had one, they don't have opposable thumbs to give us water, okay? So what I had to explain to him is the same thing that I want to encourage you with, that I tell myself over and over, there is no easy way out. There is no quick fix. There's no microwavable solution. There is no easy way out of an addiction. There is no easy way out or quick fix to a marriage that is struggling. But what I want you to know for the person who is down and disheartened and you feel like giving up, 
there is no easy way, but there is a better way. And it is through Jesus. And only because of what he did on a cross can we have a problem and still find hope. Paul writes about this. And Paul writes about this in Romans. And what Paul says is Paul, the writer of a quarter of the New Testament, says this. He says, our problem starts here. He says, when Adam sinned, Adam being Adam and Eve, the very first person, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Now, what I know is that sin is not a terminology that we use in culture often. My dad jokes that like, like when your kids misbehave, you don't go, hey, stop that, you little sinners, which I find ironic because that's what he called me growing up is a little sinner. But, but I'm just kidding. He didn't do that uh, sometimes. But what, what I want you to notice about sin is two things because we can't solve a problem if we can't identify it. And sin is a massive problem. And this is what I want you to note about sin. Paul refers to sin as a noun, not a verb. This is important for us to think about sin and the condition and the implications because that means that sin is not a behavior, it is a condition. Sin is not something that we do, it is something we are born with. And it's not of any fault of our own. It's not because of anything you did. It's because of who you're related to. And you are, and I and Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and every single person in the world was born in sin because they come from Adam. The other thing to notice is that death follows sin. If you've if you've been an addict or you are an addict or you've lived with an addict, you've seen this play out in real time. Death literally follows sin. That could be the death of a marriage, it could be the death of finances, but death follows sin. Yet Paul says there is hope for each and every one of us because to get to a solution, we can now identify a problem. And that problem is sin, which means we all have a problem. But thankfully, just like the criminals on the cross, we all also have a choice. We all have a choice. I mean, Pilate had a choice. The crowd had a choice. The criminals had a choice. And in Luke 23, we see this account where the criminals, both criminals, if you look at Matthew and you look at the, the Mark and John, these other accounts, both criminals were cursing Jesus. In, in the beginning of the day, both criminals were hurling insults at Jesus. Although they were all suffering together, it says that the criminals joined in with the Roman guards to, to throw insults at Jesus. But something happened along the three to six hours that Jesus and the criminals were hanging on a cross. Something happened within one of them that caused a change of heart. But can you imagine being the criminal that didn't have a change of heart? I mean, spending time next to the Messiah and watching him go through this suffering and yet you are unchanged? 
But if you're the other criminal, how did you get there? The other thief, you got to think, he's, he's carrying his cross behind Jesus up a hill called Calvary. You see Jesus get tied to a post, beaten unrecognizable, tortured, spat on, and humiliated. And under all of this and through all of this, the first time you hear Jesus speak, he says simply, Father, forgive them. It's shocking. How do you under, how do you stand in proximity of watching someone suffer and their only concern is others that are hurting them? And he has a change of heart. Same situation, different choices, drastically different outcomes. Two criminals, two choices, two outcomes. And not only this, but like the thief makes a request he has a change of heart and then he makes a request. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Man, like my two-year-old, he is good at making requests. This is something that he needs no training on. If you have a little one that is like two or three years old, does anyone have a kid that gets in that phase that they're like, I have to do everything myself. I have to do it all. Barrett, he insists on putting his own shoes on, which means every morning his shoes are on the wrong feet. He insists on climbing into his car seat by himself, which takes a minimum of 14 minutes. And every day after school, he goes to school here at the Springs Preschool, and after work, I go pick him up. Every day he makes a request that he asks me if we can pick mommy a flower. It is every day, every single day. And if you think it's cute, it's because you're not the one that has to take him every day, okay? But I have, I have 50 of these on my, on my phone. Every day we go exploring. We try to find the, the prettiest flower for mommy. Sometimes we end up over in a trail because he wants a yellow one. These are the things I do for my children. What I want you to know is that some of y'all need to put a request in to your father. You're not comfortable with it. And what I want you to feel free is that God loves you so much as your father that he sent his son to die for you. You need to make a request to your father because we each make a choice every single day. Will we choose to trust or will we choose to try to do it ourselves? It's the same choice since the beginning of time. Adam and Eve, they made a choice. They chose poorly, right? And then, and then Noah made a different choice. He chose to trust, built the ark, remembered mosquitoes. That's a win-lose. But the rich young ruler who encountered Jesus, he had to make a choice. He chose control. The prodigal son, he made a choice and it was an abandon all, hands up, I give up, this is all to Jesus. I am done trying to fix me myself and I am giving it to God. And that is where each and every one of us need to be. Because there is hope in saying this because that's where we see that he asks Jesus and he makes this request and Jesus responds with, I assure you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. There is finality in 
I assure you. Man, and because of that sentence, we all have a problem. We all have a choice. But because of what Jesus said on a cross, we all have a future. That is what the cross is. Man, the cross is a future and we have hope, not because of anything we've done, not because of anything we've earned or anything that we've worked towards, but only because of what God did in sending his son Jesus to die on a cross. And the best news for me and you is that there are no requirements to accept that gift. That means that salvation does not require perfection. It just requires Jesus. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, not when you worked towards it, not when you earned it, nothing you did, nothing you worked towards, nothing that you sweat over and worried over ever amounted to getting you into heaven. But... It was when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. That God gives that to you freely. That God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for each and every one of you. Why? Because salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Do you want to know what boasting looks like for a Christ follower? Christians. Let me just talk to Christians for a minute. If you are a Christ follower, if you were raised in the church or you were around in, in the 80s and 90s and, and like Bible tracts and all of that, there was this question that I'm sure you're familiar with. And the question goes like this. I started in Fort Lauderdale and it was, if you were to die tonight, do you know with 100% certainty where you would go? And the question I want to pose to Christians is this. If you were to die tonight and you got to heaven, what are the reasons you would give to get in? Because this is why as a Christian, it is so important to be reminded of the cross because when you lose sight of the cross, we answer that question wrong when we try to answer it in first person. Anytime we say we are here because I did this, because I earned this, because I believed, anytime we say that we've lost sight of the cross. The power of the cross is that we did nothing and he took it all for us. So why are we in heaven? It's only because he did this. We answer it in third person. He earned for me by his grace, I am here. That is what the cross is about. And that is the hope of Jesus Christ. It's a daily reminder for Christ followers to find hope and to keep trusting Jesus. And I, I can't wait to get to heaven and find that criminal on the cross just to ask him, how did you get here? How did this work out for you? I mean, that had to be the same question when it happened. When he first showed up to heaven, can you imagine the, the angels 
and the heroes of the faith and Moses and Noah and all of these people and the angel who's letting people into heaven is like, okay, now it is your turn. The thief, let's see, you lived a life of depravity. You cursed Jesus hours before. Let's check, let's check. Uh, have you ever read your Bible? No, Bibles didn't exist. Have you ever been to Connect class? No? Okay. You never been baptized? Okay. Um, you never gave a penny to the church? Interesting. You never filled out a connect card? Hmm. On what basis are you here? To which the criminal replies the same thing that we have hope in and why we can have a future. It's because the man on the middle cross said, I can come. And if you are a Christ follower or you are wanting to accept the gift of, the sal of salvation, all you need is for the man on the middle cross to say you can come. And that is the hope of the cross. You can accept this gift of salvation and you could start that relationship right here, right now. Will you go to the Father with me? If that's you here in this place and you wanna start a relationship with the God of the universe, it starts just by accepting a gift, just by accepting a gift that he gave freely. And you can accept that gift of eternity, not for heaven later, but for hope today. You can do that by praying this prayer, not out loud, but you can just pray this prayer between you and God. You can just say, dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned. I ask that you forgive my sins, that you be the leader and savior of my life. Thank you for the gift of the cross. And it is in your perfect, precious, and holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.